0: a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's of and friends with some revelations. fact, many years ago after a really terrible audition where I just felt like I had really tanked, I walked over to an office in Times Square that was near the casting director's office and I went in and I was really dejected, but I went to visit someone and he was incredibly busy. He had clients waiting for him. He had phones ringing off the hook. But he saw my face and he said, do you want to go for a walk? And I said, yeah. And so he told his assistant to please cancel his appointments and hold all calls. He had a really important errand that had just come up. And as we walked, I told him what had happened and how embarrassed I felt by my audition. And he walked me from his office on 40th and Broadway to a huge multiplex movie theater in Times Square on 42nd Street between 9th and 10th Avenues. And he went to the box office and bought two tickets. And he and I walked into a theater where this movie was playing. And about 10 minutes in, I appeared in the film and he looked at me and he said, that's you. And the movie did okay. I had a small part, but I was in it. And we watched the film and we left and he was like, how many people are in a movie playing in movie theaters all over the country today? He said, you did that. Don't forget that. And you'll do it again. And whatever happened today is done. But don't dismiss all the work you've done in the past, all the hard work you continue to do. Keep focusing on what it is you want and let's make today a hiccup rather than the end of a journey. And this isn't one of those stories where then I get home and I find out that the audition I thought had gone terribly actually hadn't and I did get the job. That's not what happened. I did in fact not get that job, but I did get other jobs and I persevered. And I tell you that story because it's just an example of the kind of amazing support and champion that my father was for me. And for so many people. And so I'm thrilled to share him today with you on the podcast. So welcome, Bob Levine, to the podcast, my dad. a Hey, everyone. I am here today with a very special guest. His name is Sir... Robert B. Levine. He is married to Dame Helen, who was earlier a guest on this podcast. Uh, welcome, Bob, a.k.a. my dad, to Little Known Facts. Well,
1: thank you very much for the invitation. I'm pleased to be welcome.
0: <laughs> so I want to ask you, when I say theater, tell me what comes to mind.
1: Actress, Lana Levine. That's it? Well, in- Entertainment. A good evening, a pleasant evening, and uh, either comedy or sadness, whatever the theme of the theater program is, the show, uh, that's what comes to my mind.
0: So when do you think you saw your first professional, when you think back to your childhood, when do you think you went to a theater to I mean, see live performance?
1: And to me, the live performance was at Radio City Musical and the Christmas special. That probably is my earliest memories of live theater.
0: So a little Jewish boy from Brooklyn went to the Christmas show.
1: Yep, and they even had a Hanukkah song in the Christmas show, though.
0: They threw one in.
1: They threw one in.
0: (laughs) So would you go your whole family?
1: Well, it depends on the age I was, but at the time it was really my sister and me and my mother, and later on it would be my younger brother and me.
0: And... Were the Rockettes a part of that experience? Definitely. Definitely. definitely, Yes. Um, You're going to hear my mom crinkling a paper bag in the background because this is very behind the scenes in my childhood home, you guys. So, what about doing plays when you were in school? Did you ever perform in things?
1: Oh, that's hard. Actually, on the stage in in the school, no. Okay. I was in the chorus, but I and I also played in the band, but but not in a stage play.
0: So you had talent.
1: Oh, I don't know about that.
0: You had interest. I
1: had interest, yes.
0: And once you were older and could make decisions for yourself about things to do for fun, growing up in Brooklyn, having some proximity to Manhattan. Uh, did you go see live music or jazz or, or dance or theater or not so much
1: theater? Yes, not live music or jazz or dance.
0: Okay, and do you remember early shows that you saw on Broadway?
1: Mm, not off the top of my head. No.
0: If I say if I say Fiddler on the Roof, do you think you saw that?
1: I know I saw it, but I wasn't that young when I saw it. Right. So I so was an this adult.
0: is okay. So things that you saw as an adult I mean, as a kid, it was the
1: big thing. was the Christmas show at Radio City and Musical. Right. And the lights at Rockefeller, the Christmas tree lighting at Rockefeller Center was a big thing. Right. Uh, Those were my main. And then going to Macy's as a little kid, even seeing Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. I remember that in Macy's.
0: I mean, the thing about you, Dad, that I always loved is that when we would have friends or relatives visiting from out of town, you were the best tour guide. You always had an itinerary. Are there certain things that you can think of that you would constantly think, okay, these are the main areas they have to see if they're only in New York for a short time?
1: Rockefeller Center, go to the Radio City Musical, the United Nations was another important stop on their trip, Macy's department store, And the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that my guests in New York were taken to by me or sent to by me.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, You know, a lot of people that I interview, some of them went into a life in the arts against their parents' wishes, and some of them did it with the full blessing of their parents. It's been a long time now that I first started this career or embarked upon a life in the arts. Did you have trepidation about my wanting to switch gears once I found acting and study acting in college?
1: I thought that you were, by your career in the shoe store business, being a shoe store salesperson, had great personality, dealt very well with people, and people responded to you very well. And so going to the theater would be a simply next step for you in that same area of people relationships and whether you communicate directly one-on-one or from the stage to an entire audience.
0: Sorry, now Helen is putting rubber bands around a stack of credit cards just so you (laughs) should know what's going on in the studio today. So you think that a lot of people spend a lot of time going to conservatories to study acting, but your feeling is just being a really you
1: successful were natural, you shoe were salesperson. Well, that was one thing. You were just a natural people person. Mm-hmm. You communicated well with others. People respond well to you, and therefore it's not such a big step for you to go to that, to be on the stage and communicate a- from a distance rather than right up one-on-one. hmm
0: well, I always felt really lucky that not only did you support me, but that you and mom anytime I was in something. Listeners should know, my parents live very close to New York City, not in New York City, but it's very accessible. My parents worked in New York City. We we are living we were living in New Jersey, um, but it was Super easy for them to get to the city to see me and things, is, is my point.
1: Well, more, more than that, my office was on 40th Street and Broadway. And it was just a few blocks walk to when Alana was in a show, on, on a Broadway show. I would come there every night after work, and usually during intermission, I had the The usher would know who I was, and he would say, come on in, Mr. Levine. And I would stand in the back of the theater and watch the second half of the show and see my daughter perform, which was always a great pleasure.
0: And also, if I had an audition, or even my friends had an audition, there aren't that many great accessible bathrooms (laughs) in Times Square. And so, better than going to the Port Authority, we could stop into my father's firm and use his bathroom to change costumes or put on makeup or get out of a costume. So it was very fortunate that you had that real estate available, not just to me, but to friends as well. What were some of the highlights for you as a parent of somebody, and a father-in-law of somebody who has a career as an actor?
1: I had pride. Not because you were an actor or that uh, Dominic is an actor because you did it well. I mean, being proud of someone who doesn't do something well is kind of strange. But mm-hmm. but you were a great performer, as is Dominic, and therefore pride is the answer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Seeing you perform.
0: So one of the stories that I will always remember, aside from the joy. Of looking out at the at the audience, which you don't see for mo- most of the show because the lights are blinding the actors' eyes, but every once in a while during the curtain call, lights on the audience would come up too, and seeing you many many nights in the back standing there beaming with pride became something that if you weren't there, the cast would be like, "Where's Where where's Bob? He <laughs> didn't show up tonight." But tell the story of when we did Charlie Brown. Before we got to New York, we did a couple of -of out-of-town tryouts. St. Louis. St. Louis, Christmas or New Year's time. uh, And tell the story from your perspective of what happened.
1: Well, Helen, your mother and I flew out to St. Louis. We landed at the airport in St. Louis, and it was wintertime. It was December. And it was storm, a snowstorm came up and it was a very heavy snowstorm, we rented a car and got directions on how to drive from the airport to the theater, which was downtown. Got in the car, and this blizzard drove down the highway. There was hardly any of the cars around, frankly. Found a place to park, and by the time we got to the theater, the show had already begun, because we were late. And uh, when we bought our tickets, or came to get our tickets, right away, the ticket office knew who we were yeah. so mr and mrs levine we're glad you're here here are your tickets going in
0: i think a producer i had actually had a producer on high alert because i knew that your plane was delayed and i just want to add that my parents were going to meet two of their oldest friends who, who lived, lived in, in st. st louis and because of the weather even though they lived about 15 minutes from the theater they canceled
1: Right. They never showed up.
0: And you were the last flight to make it into St. Louis before they closed the airports. So you arrive. You're greeted by Mike Isaacson, by the way, who's gone on to be one of the most beloved
1: theater producers. Uh uh-huh. In any event, we go and take our seats, and in the middle of the show, much to our surprise... Um, Snoopy was it? Mm-hmm. Snoopy says in his line, "Well, welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Levine," and and stuck that into the middle of his his lines in the script, and we were kind of shocked.
0: Yeah, during supper time
1: to be to be greeted in that way. Mm-hmm. But we were happy to know that you knew that we were there and uh, and we were safe, and that was what was important. It turned out to be a great show, and uh, met many members of the cast, some who became almost as famous as Alana Levine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just a few. Just a few. Kristen, what's up? Uh, Kristen Chenowitz. Uh, Chenowitz. Yes. I wish good things for her. BD Wong. Actually, all of them were just the most. Roger Bart, Stanley Wayne Mathis, Anthony Rapp, and BD and Kristen, as I've mentioned. You guys know that they were family to me. But not only that, they really became family.
1: Well, Kristen, and adopted
0: by Bob and Helen Levine. Yeah, I and
1: mean, Kristen was a very young lady who really was almost frightened I would say to be on her alone to be alone in the middle of St. Louis away from her family and people from her comfort zone I would say. And so we became bonded a little bit there and and took on a little parenting aspect mm-hmm. to our relationship but mm-hmm. it was very very nice.
0: I know she she loves you guys so so much and that and that really, you know, I always tell anyone if you want, I mean, they should cast me because I'm the right person, but also if you cast me, Bob and Helen will make sure there are audiences
1: from <laughs> we'll every... they will see the tickets are sold. Yes, sir. Wait, <laughs> <Exactly.
0: laughs> they will make sure group sales has never been more successful. Fortunately, we
1: have a lot of friends and organizational contacts, yeah. which... Uh, which uh, kept it going. Keep things going, exactly. right. And it's our pleasure. It's well, our pleasure. Well...
0: Um, I am so thrilled that I get to say uh, on the podcast and for all to hear, um, you know, I've told you, there are listeners from Dubai to Singapore to, you know, Alaska. It's a, it's a, it's a Israel. Um, And uh, every one of them at certain points have told me how much they love hearing about my family on Mm -hmm. the show. Um, But really for me to get to say, uh, with all of them listening, that to have had the kind of support you and mom always showed me and the belief in me and and so much of why I felt like I could do what I did was watching you and mom fearlessly navigate so, so much uncharted territory uh, mm-hmm. in your own life. So thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Any, any little known fact about you, you can share.
1: I know little-known facts certainly to your audience. One of the things that I spend a lot of time at is Jewish National Fund, which supports Israel. It's best known for planting trees in Israel. It's planted over five hundred million trees so far, and uh, the idea of growth in trees and bringing, uh, improving the quality of air, which trees do in in a country that was a des- that is a desert country, has become a very important factor for us and what we've done to improve the quality of life for people in the Middle East. And so therefore, I take great pride in those efforts. I take great pride, obviously, in my children and grandchildren, who are fantastic people, as exemplified by you, Alana. And and it's a privilege to have all of you come visit us, especially now uh, when you can come with only difficulty during this coronavirus period. So I thank you for coming today to keep us company a little bit, do a little shopping for us, and at the same time, take advantage of this opportunity to be interviewed by you.
0: Well, a little-known fact I want to share about you, aside from your belief in in, in things that are important to you and your your philanthropy, is my father, uh, although you might not know it, was a really shy kid. And so, somehow, he found magic. I don't know if you watched magic or found a book on magic. Uh, do you remember what the genesis of your magic love was?
1: I had seen magic magic shows in, in person and loved the idea of, uh, of fooling people with, with in a pleasant way. And so ho- that became my hobby. And I still enjoy, every time I meet a kid, I will take a quarter and make it disappear in front of the kid and... Love to see the amazed look on his face when I show my hand is empty. When he was, he saw the quarter go into that hand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that that gives me great pleasure. And then, of course, I went on to bigger tricks and have a whole supply of waiting for an an opportunity to be asked to perform. But lately, I've lost my clientele.
0: Well, only for a short while. So listen, after there's a vaccine, if you need someone at your birthday party, Mm -hmm. or if you're just feeling down and want to smile. Hi, Bob Levine. <laughs> All right, Daddy, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: It's my pleasure, and uh, I'm honored that I had the opportunity to do it today. Thank you.
0: The Little Known Facts theme song was written and performed by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa and episodes are recorded in New York City and edited by Nicholas Clark.